coming up on this episode of Linux for Everyone, a new discovery of the week for BitTorrent fans, a new song from The Source created using Arch Linux, Lemur Pro versus Infinity Book S14, and a little bit of a rant about why Linux gaming is always going to struggle until one crucial thing happens. And here's a hint, it has nothing to do with the actual games. All that plus another dose of good news coming up on this special video episode of Linux for Everyone. Let's go. I'm Shickle, and this is Caddy, and we're listening from Tucson, Arizona in the United States of America. Welcome home. Hey everybody, welcome back to Linux for Everyone and welcome home. This episode is a bit of an experiment. It's something that I've been wanting to do for months, create a video version of the podcast because the YouTube channel, the library channels are exploding. There's a lot of people who are on there who may not listen to the um, audio version of the podcast, which is the original form of the podcast. But at the same time, there are listeners who subscribe in their podcast clients, and you know maybe they never visit YouTube. So the goal here is to create a nice balance of visual entertainment and some B-roll that kind of supplements what I'm talking about. But uh, I want to also, you know, craft it in a way that the people enjoying this only in audio won't feel like they're missing out. So. I am welcoming your feedback on this. I don't know if it will be a regular thing, though that is my goal. As I start to shoot for two or three videos per week on the video channels, I'm collecting a lot of, uh, just a lot of footage, and that can really easily supplement what I'm talking about. The other side of that is I'm just really becoming addicted to YouTube, so <laughs> I know, I know, um, six months ago, uh, yeah, six, seven months ago, I said I would never, ever do this, but there is just something kind of intoxicating about producing that visual medium. I, that's why I'm always, I'm always pointing you guys to, hey, I talked about this, check out the video on the Linux for Everyone YouTube channel, because I just think that those visual enhancements add a lot to the conversation. So I think it's been about a month since it was just me on the podcast, uh, the last thing that came down the pipe for you guys was Linux and Coffee number two with my co-host Schickel. And then before that, it was the Fedora and Lenovo interview. So it's been, uh, it's been a minute since we've had some one-on-one. So I want to kick the show off with another discovery of the week. And this one actually came to my attention because of Schickel, who's been doing a whole series of GNOME app spotlights on his channel. And it's called Fragments. And I think that fans of apps that just do one thing and do that one thing really well will appreciate this. So will elementary OS users. Because this has that that personality, that real minimalistic, clean, purposeful design. And on that note, uh, Fragments is actually designed around the GNOME HIG, which is the GNOME Human Interface Guidelines. And I won't spend too much time on it, but the, the GNOME HIG is kind of a set of guidelines and tools 
and uh, resources for developers and designers to create apps using GTK Plus that kind of have the same feeling and the same experience and that give the, uh, the ecosystem a little bit more of a balance, right? They fit in. And that's why I was so drawn to Fragments, because it's, it's a BitTorrent client, and there are a lot of BitTorrent clients out there. Transmission is normally pre-installed on a lot of different distros. But Fragments, if you like simplicity, it really, really rises to the top. It doesn't have a crazy wealth of options to it, but the way that it functions is, it just makes sense. It's just, it's just simple. What I especially appreciate about Fragments is the way that it separates the torrents that you're downloading, the torrents that you're seeding, and the torrents that you have queued. So if you click on each torrent that you have active or queued, it'll tell you things like how many seeders, um, how much has been downloaded, the download speed, the upload speed, the leechers, things like that. Uh, not, not an overwhelming amount of stuff is presented in the app. There's not a lot of options. Like you can't set uh, bandwidth limits, for example. And that would be kind of nice maybe if that was there, but I just normally prefer to go full throttle when I'm downloading distros or you know anything else. So anyway, uh, you can get this on Flathub. It's available as a flat pack, and you can also, of course, build it from source using GNOME Builder. And I'm going to put a few different links about Fragments in the show notes for this episode. Uh, one is going to be the page where you can donate if you appreciate what he's doing, and then I'll have a link directly to flathub.org and another link to the developer page on GitLab. All right, I'm going to roll into a little bit of fan feedback now because this letter really made my week. And if you guys ever want to get in touch with me, uh, you can do so in many different ways. But if you prefer email, you can write to Linux for everyone at pm.me. That stands for Proton Mail. So it's Linux for everyone at pm.me. And of course, you can also reach out to me on Twitter and Telegram and Discord and Mastodon and Facebook. But emails are a little bit more permanent and they don't really get lost in the shuffle as easily. So uh, I want to thank Dan Kay for sending this in. Hi, Jason. I've subscribed to several Linux and FOSS podcasts, and this is the first time I've contacted any of them. The reason being, I want to thank you for the understanding and welcoming tone of the show. Okay, here's my story. About 10 years ago, I had three computers running Windows XP. I loved Windows XP. Can I just say that? You guys won't hate me, right? And when Microsoft stopped supporting XP, I began searching for a way to keep using perfectly good computers. <laughs> yes. I was elated to learn about Linux, starting with Ubuntu. Since then, I have tried 20-plus distros, favoring Mint and MX Linux now. I really appreciate all the work so many developers have put into distros, and I agree that we end users should provide support, feedback, and bug reports. In telling others about FOSS, I volunteered to teach basic Linux at my local library. But COVID-19 has shut that down for now. When I do teach that class, I will recommend your podcast and Going Linux, as they are more suited to beginners. To sum it up, I heartily support the idea of Linux for everyone. And thank you so much for being a big voice telling that message to the world. Man, there's so many great takeaways in this letter. So thank you very much, Dan. The biggest one to me is the need for the Linux community to provide feedback and provide bug reports. Feedback, 
even just feedback is a really, really big deal. For example, uh, I was recently testing Ubuntu Unity Remix, and somewhere buried in the About section, I noticed um, kind of a, an antiquated line of like a disclaimer or something about um, Canonical sending certain information to their web servers. It was it was all during the uh, the Amazon days, which are which are gone now. But that was you know that was a, a little line that maybe the developer didn't pick up on or or wasn't aware that it was in there or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I gave... And this kid's 10, by the way. This kid is 10 years old, the developer of Ubuntu Unity Remix. I have a whole video on it if you want to check that out. Anyway, so he was he was so receptive to that. He said, hey, great, I'll, I'll fix it and I'll spin a new ISO. If you apply those little observations across everyone who's using a distro or even testing a distro... That adds up, you know. If you're the kind, if you're a distro hopper, and uh, you're not just locked down to one distro, or even if you have uh, a few spare minutes a day to check out a new distro that someone's developing or a new version of a distro that you might be interested in, give it a spin, check it out, and um, you know, let the developers know they're they're. In my experience. They are becoming very approachable. They're on Telegram. They're on Matrix. They're on Twitter. And they're, they're pretty receptive to that feedback, as long as you're polite. <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to talk about these beauties right here, the System76 Lemur Pro and the Tuxedo Computers InfinityBook S14. But before we get into it, let me take a second to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this video. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and way more than I can mention in this ad spot. DigitalOcean also has thousands of tutorials which they keep up to date. You can get all this plus access to their awesome customer support for as low as five bucks per month. So whether it's a huge project or just a simple blog, you can get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this video and the entire Destination Linux Network. So if you guys are following me on Twitter or uh, the YouTube or library channels, you've probably noticed I've been in my element lately. I have had just a, I've been blessed to have such an influx of amazing Linux hardware over the past few weeks. Uh, I got to unbox a couple Slimbook Pro X laptops. And of course I have the, uh, the System76 Lemur Pro and the Tuxedo Computers Infinity Book S14. But I wanted to talk a bit about the Lemur Pro and the Infinity Book S specifically because these are both kind of a, a watershed moment, I think, for Linux hardware, Linux laptops in particular. They are incredibly light, uh, less than one kilogram, 0.99 kilograms. They are just, they're, they're battery monsters. And yes, they are expensive, but it's a really good look for Linux laptops. I wanted to run down some of the differences between these because, you know, we all have our um, our allegiances, our loyalties. You know, we might like System76 because of Pop! OS, or we might love their customer support. 
whatever. We might love Tuxedo Computers because of their partnership with Manjaro or the way that they can customize some of their laptops, not this one though, but some of their laptops with any keyboard configuration you can dream of. Uh, Or, you know, just the simple fact that if you're in Europe, it's a lot easier and cheaper to get those systems from Tuxedo since they're based in Germany. If you don't have a preference, this becomes a very, very difficult decision to make. Both of these laptops are constructed from the same Clevo chassis. They have identical CPUs. They have identical specs pretty much across the board. If you're looking at base configurations, you know, the, uh, the same CPU, the same RAM, the same M.2 SSDs, the same webcam, the same speakers, the same keyboard that's integrated into the chassis, the same trackpad, you get the idea. So then how on earth are you supposed to make the decision? They're roughly the same price. Uh, the Lemur Pro starts at 1099 US, and the Tuxedo InfinityBook S14 starts at 1062 USD. And there are some little things that, that really could add up to uh, influence your decision here. Number one is that Tuxedo Computers, by default, has a two-year warranty on the InfinityBook S14. And so, you know, taking, taking your location and shipping costs and taxes all out of the equation here, they're about $30 apart in base price. But Tuxedo offers two years on their warranty, and System76 offers one. So if you want to upgrade to a two-year warranty on the Lemur Pro, that's going to cost an extra $115. However, <laughs> adding on the layers here, the Lemur Pro has a different display than the Infinity Book S14. So the Lemur Pro has a three-watt, uh, yeah, three-watt 1080p IPS display from Inolux. And I don't know the exact details of the um, Infinity Book S14 display, but it's only 1.6 watts. That leads to a slight difference in display quality. So they're, they're, they're both just about as bright, but the Tuxedo Infinity Book S, it's a little bit more washed out. It's not as, um, the white balance is a little bit off. The color calibration is a little bit off, a little duller than the uh, Lemur Pro. And when you, you know, I didn't notice when I had them separately, I didn't even notice. I couldn't, I couldn't look at the Infinity Book S14 and say, this is an inferior display. But when I got them side by side, then it was really apparent, especially if you're working in uh, a white background. So what I had done is I took a just plain white background in Firefox on both systems maxed out the brightness and just looked at them, took some photos, took some videos. And there's a, there's a pretty noticeable difference there. But there's also a bright side, no pun intended, to having that lower uh, power consumption for the display on the tuxedo side. And that is that the battery lasts longer. I did a pretty intense uh, benchmark suite on both systems using Pharonix Test Suite. They were mainly CPU intensive uh, tests. They were meant not not necessarily to compare performance, but to compare power consumption and also to see which one died first. The Lemur Pro died about an hour before the Tuxedo Infinity Book S. So that was the first sign I had that the battery was going to be a little bit stronger in uh, the, on the Tuxedo side of the fence. And then I did a second battery rundown test where I looped a 1080p video, local 1080p video, 
and I set backlight, the keyboard backlight to off, the brightness to 50%, the volume to 50%, turned Wi-Fi on but left Bluetooth off. And I did that on both systems, identical settings, no power management tweaks, you know, just like the, the out-of-the-box balanced profile. The System76 Lima Pro lasted six hours and 52 minutes on that, and then the Tuxedo Infinity Book S lasted eight hours and 57 minutes, I think, so a full two hours longer. And Tuxedo actually advertises a 21, I think a 21-hour battery life for this thing, while uh, System76 is a little more conservative, and they put it at like 11 to 14 maximum. And I think that I can get there. I think it's just a matter of really optimizing that battery. So like with the Infinity Book S, for example, you can go into their BIOS and change the uh, kind of the, the power profiles, the fan curves a little bit. So I think reducing that to cool and quiet or, or something similar might really extend that battery life. And then of course, on the System76 side, you have Pop! OS, the battery life options, the balanced options, and then the high performance option. So I think, I think I can easily extract 10 hours out of both laptops, and that is significant. I mean, that is, um, you know, that's using it. That's not just having it sit idle and, and not doing much. That's, at the very least, it is a full workday, and I have done a full workday out on the balcony here at home. So those are a couple of the, the, the little differences that might add up depending on what you're looking for, Right. And the other thing to bear in mind is that System76 ships the Lemur Pro with Core Boot and their System76 EC firmware. And so that's all open source. It strips out a whole bunch of proprietary code and it, it basically leads to, they say that it can cycle power states faster. And so what that means is that on the Lemur Pro side, it can boot a bit faster and it can resume from sleep a bit faster than something without core boot. But, you know, the the Infinity Book S also has its advantage because it has a lot more options in the BIOS. You can, from the BIOS, you can disable your uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, your webcam and microphone, etc. And you can disable Intel Management Engine. Something that both of these laptops are missing, though, is Thunderbolt support. I have an eGPU with Thunderbolt, and it's, it also kind of acts as a docking station, so I can't use that with either of these. But on the bright side, there's always, it's always a push and pull, right? But on the bright side, it, they both support USB-C charging. So you can plug in a USB-C external monitor, for example, and also be charging the laptop with that plugged in. So that's a nice little perk. I can't really tell you if these offer a good value proposition for you personally. Spending over a thousand USD on something with a pretty baseline, pretty minimal specs, we're talking an i5, a 10th generation i5, eight gigabytes of RAM and about a 250 gig SSD. That's a lot of coin for not a very powerful computer, but if you're developing on it, if you're not doing any real intense work and you don't need a workhorse laptop, but you do need something like Feather Lite with crazy battery life, then I would say that both of these are a great option. So the System76 Lemur Pro and the InfinityBook S14 from Tuxedo Computers, both spectacular laptops. 
And I've got a video uh, on the YouTube channel running down all of the stuff I just talked about. It's a little bit more condensed, and there's a lot of uh, beautiful footage of Croatia in there as well. We got to go to the sea finally. The lockdown has ended, uh, mostly ended here in Croatia. And we got to go over to Prementura, which is on the um, Istrian coast of Croatia. And it's just, I had to do the video there. Anyway, if you guys have any more questions about either of these laptops, leave them in the comments here on YouTube or pop me an email, linuxforeveryone at pm.me. And if I can't answer them, I will do my best to reach out to both companies and try to get you an answer. All right, before we move on to a topic that's really been rattling around in my head lately, let me give you a dose of good news. This is something I've been trying to offer up in each episode of Linux for Everyone, uh, especially during this whole pandemic situation that we're all dealing with as a, as a global community. So this bit of good news comes from Mark L. He says, hey, Jason, despite some of the hard truths surrounding COVID-19, people being hospitalized and dying, uh, for my family in particular, it has had a really positive effect on us. Before I started working from home, I used to leave really early for work before my son even woke up, just so I could get home in time to play with him a bit before he went to bed. I had very little time with him during the week. Now, with everyone at home, my wife and son both, it affords me much more flexibility with my workday and allows me to play with him multiple times throughout the day. The three of us also eat lunch together on most days, which I really love. The physical distancing measures have brought my family closer together. Some days it can be really challenging, but mostly I have been enjoying this aspect of the current reality we face. I hope others have had similar positive experiences with their families. Okay, it's time for a little bit of tough love. And I do this from time to time when something is uh, particularly bothering me. And it's not, it's not to pick on Linux or to shame Linux or anything like that or, or say that Windows does this better. But in this case, Windows does this so much better. All right, story time. I haven't always covered Linux. I've only covered Linux for about two years. Uh, I started in, I believe, July, June, July, 2018, covering Linux at Forbes when I jumped into it for the first time. Before that, I mainly covered gaming and technology at Forbes. That revolved a lot around PC gaming, and I did a ton of graphics card reviews. I had a closet full of GPUs, and I was always in touch with NVIDIA and AMD about their you know newest features. And what it boils down to is that for a few years now, we've been at this point where early adopters of graphics hardware, they aren't necessarily just looking at the performance. They aren't looking at just the, the T-flops and you know just the temperatures and the fans and the design. They're looking at the entire picture, the entire graphics card ecosystem. And now that ecosystem involves stuff like G-Sync and FreeSync. It involves stuff like uh, RTX Voice now, which is a, a really slick noise-canceling solution on Windows for, our, uh, for NVIDIA RTX cards. It involves stuff like NVIDIA GeForce Experience and 
Radeon Adrenaline software. And I can tell you that both AMD and NVIDIA have really raised their efforts lately when it comes to the software side of their graphics hardware. I believe that that it's okay to use Windows once in a while. You do what you want. You know, I have my whole like uh, dual booters problem video um, that I, I kind of ranted about that and, you know, about not shaming people who choose to use Windows as their daily driver. But uh, sometimes I like to see how the other side lives. And I think that that's important both for curiosity and my professional coverage of Linux. So recently, I revisited Radeon's uh, Adrenaline software, and wow, I mean, it is just littered with so many cool features. You've got this dashboard that shows the last game you played and the average FPS that you had. You have this uh, little pop-out panel where you can create an instant GIF. You know, you can record, uh, you can automatically capture highlights and NVIDIA does this as well with certain games that support it, you can automatically capture, like when you get an achievement or something like that, it'll, it'll record that clip. Or, and it just goes, you can stream from this software, you can record, you can do a number of things that gamers want. Gamers want this stuff. You know, on the, on the Radeon Adrenaline side, you can, you can have a phone app that does stuff like monitor your system and all kinds of neat stuff. The problem that I see right now with Linux gaming actually doesn't have a lot to do with the games. Proton is wonderful. And yeah, we have our, our hiccups and our, um, our bumps in the road when it comes to easy anti-cheat and DRM and, you know, stuff like League of Legends now, which is going to have a kernel-based DRM in 2021. And once that hits, there's going to be no chance of playing that on Linux. But that's okay. There's still a wealth of games that are supported. And, you know, we can play multiple thousands more games from Windows now. We can play those on Linux thousands more than we could a year and a half, two years ago. And that's awesome. But we don't have that extra level of software support. I want to put a call out to both NVIDIA and AMD. I want you guys to start, just start, just take a step in the direction of, of bringing these quality of life features to Linux users. Now, I know that there are technical obstacles to that. You know, time is a resource, uh, people are a resource, and perhaps there's not enough of that going around. Perhaps the argument would be made on the NVIDIA and AMD side that, uh, well, there's not enough demand. So this is, my, this is my call. This is kind of my new mission now, is let's make it known that there is demand. Start tweeting to AMD and NVIDIA. Start tweeting to Lisa Sue and to Jensen and to um, you know, any of the software developers on those teams. I mean, you guys heard in, in Linux for Everyone 34, the, the Fedora and Lenovo interview, Lenovo is taking some serious strides to port some of those Windows-only exclusive features that they have on their ThinkPads over to Linux. They're treating Linux like a first-class citizen, and I want to see AMD and NVIDIA also treat Linux like first-class citizens. So let's try to make it happen. I don't know how. But let's, let's raise our voice because our voice matters. 
It has been a while since I played you guys a song from the source, and bear with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to uh, newer listeners and newer viewers over on YouTube and Library just for a second. When I started the Linux for Everyone podcast, I had a segment called Songs from the Source, and it was meant to highlight songs from musicians who are using either open source or Linux to produce their music. And there have been a lot of really, really cool songs just running the gamut of genres. Uh, and I haven't done that for a while because, to be honest, and you, you would probably expect this, it's not easy to find good music done on Linux. I would like to do more of these. And now that I have kind of an expanded audience, I want to ask you guys for help. If you know of any uh, musicians or bands who are producing, recording, mixing their music on Linux, please get them in touch with me. And I would love to feature them both on the uh, audio podcast and here on YouTube and library. So this one is a repeat offender. Uh, I've had Expander on the show before. He has a new song and he calls his genre alternative synth. Uh, and he says, I really don't know what style this track is, though. It kind of borrows mostly from Synthwave and Breakbeat. And uh, he produced this entirely on Arch Linux, but using Wine and FL Studio 20. I'll have a link to his SoundCloud so you can check out more of his music. That'll be at the bottom of this video or in the show notes for the audio listeners. So I'm going to take you out with this track. It is called Vintage Dream. And uh, before I do that, I just want to say thank you for all of the just it's it's an overwhelming amount of encouragement and praise and and critical feedback. And uh, even though I cannot possibly respond to everything, I just want you guys to know that I am seeing it and I appreciate you and I appreciate my patrons and my super fans, anyone who's buying merch anyone who is sharing a video or the podcast. You guys make a difference, so thank you. All right, this is Expander with Vintage Dream. This has been the first video episode of Linux for Everyone, number 35. Until next time, take care, and take care of each other. Bye. Thank you